this episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Rescue One CBD. You've heard us talk about it on a good amount of our episodes. If you uh, enter the code BRAVEST, you'll get 25% off. This is available at omnianaturals.com. And like always, it is 0.00% THC, non-detectable. And they stand by their percentage of THC so much that they'll give you a QR code that you can scan and you can actually see the lab results for that individual bottle that you buy. It's American grown organic hemp. And like I said, we get all the benefits of CBD oil. I use it. I can't say enough about this product. The fact that now we get the benefits of CBD oil, that is 0.00% THC free. We're um, going to give one to our guest here and uh, see what it does for him. Because I know that you definitely, we're going to get into some of your background, but you definitely wind up with some uh, muscle soreness and stuff like that. And we're going to try to help you out with uh, oh, Rescue One CBD. Yeah, it's a teaser for <laughs> yeah. what's coming up. I, um, oh, I actually had, um, oh, uh, my wife was having a, a uh, issue with her um, with her back uh, last week or so. And um, I actually just had the, the, um, the bottle that, that we got here. Because, um, I mean, I definitely would pay for it. But um, <laughs> if, <laughs> no, but they, um, we, I brought it home and she used on her back and, and again she was yeah yeah she was super impressed with it is that and the one I, that you were rubbing on your forehead that was yeah it was yeah. that one <laughs> so that's that's the most action i get these days is, is the, the roll on between my forehead and but um she was going uh she was going at her lower back uh, like right by her hip area and my wife is just a general rule very much um very much against any type of any type of like drug right. or alcohol um you know whatever usage and like it was it was like pulling teeth to get her in there and once she started using it she was she was blown away and i uh, actually ended up having to make an order later on so <laughs> um we'll see what i can get kicked yeah, off i mean it, it the last time i had to use it was on my back too and it really helped it was like icy hot it's it's awesome it was like yeah. it was like an aggressive ice icy hot which was awesome yeah it feels nice yeah so rescue I one drink CBD. It. <laughs> and look, look how great you feel. Look, look, I feel incredible. Hey, look at me. <laughs> you can go to omnianaturals.com and enter the code BRAVEST for 25% off. So back to our guest. Uh, we're back here with Chief Demas. Corey, you want to get into uh, some specific topics? Yeah, right? just yeah, just because you know clearly this podcast is all about me. I want to make sure that, that is true. I'm doing the right thing in my job. And so we kind of left off with you getting promoted. Um, how chief, how was that? How was that transition for you? Just going, uh, coming off where you were. Um, so I was on, uh, <clears throat> truck 11. Um, I was at uh, private engine nine for two years and then I moved out to truck 11. Uh, took the test prior to that ended up number seven on the list. wasn't really sure. Um, what that was going to do off that list. You just don't know, right? Was that the first time you'd taken that test? Third. third oh, third okay. Time, third time. So you were, you were actively seeking it? Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a 10 and a half years, I think, is when I got 11, almost oh, yeah. about 10 and a half years I got lieutenant. And uh, So was that a test that you were, um, were you like, okay, like this is the one I'm going to try on this one, or were you pretty pretty aggressive all no, the time? No, this, this was probably the one. Um, you know, they always say somebody motivates you. Yeah. Right? I don't want to work for this person anymore, or I right. can't take this anymore, and... Um, and without getting into specifics, there was a gentleman that I worked for that it, it 
motivated me to study. <laughs> what a nice way to put it, Chief. <laughs> what a gentleman. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, everyone, 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 you know, is who they are. Yeah. You, you got to accept them for who they are. So, yeah. um, so I, t- I, I took it seriously. I took the SOPs and, uh, there's a really, uh, there's a kind of a good story about this and I'm sure guys, the firehouse are going to, well, one guy's probably not going to like the story, but <laughs> let's go with it. It's not a bad story. He's but, not listening. Yeah. Yeah. No one's listening according to Kalaga. No. Um, <laughs> no. So, so I was at station four as a fireman. And uh, this gentleman came up to me and says, hey, why don't we study together, start a study group? And uh, like, sure, all right. And, you know, it's not common, and it wasn't common back then to have study groups and all right. that stuff. So uh, we decided to do it. And uh, him, this gentleman and I have been promoted every list, every time together to the rank we are now. Come on. Yeah, so we both made lieutenant the same list. He was number three, I was number five. Military points pushed us to five and seven. When the, uh, when the promotion came through, we both made lieutenant, got pinned the same day. Made captain. It took it took me three times to make captain. Same thing. We both studied, hit it hard. He was number one or two, and I was number three. Wow. Again, pinned the same time. That's hot. The battalion chief came. Um, timing just right. Him and I both pinned the same time, same place. So and This was the guy you didn't like, right? No, no. I'm No, but he's not the guy to... Um, that motivation. No, no. Well, he did motivate me in a good way. Sure. Uh, but uh, so it was kind of a cool story that I don't know if there's a lot out there that done that, but yeah, no. Um, great, great. Uh, Do you guys great, have the same time on the job about? He's or? a year ahead of me. So he got hired in 96, I got hired in 97. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, so to going back to your question, you know, um, the transition was I was trying really hard. Uh, my wife, uh, Barb, she and her and I, uh, she's with, part of the study group was we wrote every question we could out of the SOPs and orders. I had over 3,500 questions out of our orders so everything was a true and false or a fill in the blank and yeah if we were going five minutes to jewel she'd read me three questions if we were going three hours wow. south to hunting ground she'd read me three hours of questions so huh. um i wouldn't have got the first one without the, the guy from the job and, and barb you know wow she's my rock so solid uh solid work by her that's 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 my warden that's that's barb? Well, no, my, my <laughs> sakes, that's weird. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know this is about you, but no, that's yeah. No, well, you know, uh, um, yeah, wow, yeah. So, I mean, you were you were you were really hitting it the yeah, entire we time. Yeah, it was time. And um, kids or anything at that time or no? Two thousand. Yeah, two. That's two at the yeah, time. That was. I mean, I I know I was in the same boat. I was I was a nutcase when I was studying. I uh, I I could not, and to this day I can't because I'm an idiot but i um i i can never focus at home so i remember when i was when i was taking it pretty seriously i like it'd be like nine o'clock at night and i'm like searching for a starbucks because i gotta sit down and go somewhere like like oh just hang out here i'm like i can't focus I, there's too many fun things in this house <laughs> i gotta just you know look shiny object right oh, oh look uh, um po- dumb podcast about firemen oh, i'll listen to that um but uh, so you were going in, you end up getting pinned. What was your mentality going into it? Like I, I would imagine like you were pretty motivated going in. Yeah, um, I've, you know, like I told you guys when we started, I've been pretty fortunate with the people that, that been I was around able, you been and around me. And, and uh, I, there's a lot of people I wanted to emulate. There's a lot of people's demeanor. There's a lot of people that I'm like, man, I, that, that's, that's who I want to be. And so I had this perception of who, I was, but it took it took a while, you know, in um, probably three years for me to become comfortable in the lieutenant's yeah. position, where where I felt like I had my sea legs, you know. So I got I got promoted in August. Um, I re- I roved or relieved from August to January, and uh, that's the, a weird <laughs> spot. I gotta imagine. Um, see, okay, so 
there's no actors in Aurora. Like, so you go. From, oh, okay. You don't act. So yeah. if there's an if there's a lieutenant off, there's an officer in his seat. There's no. We don't work up. Wow. We're, they'll let guys work down, but they won't work up. Sure. So, um, so you, if unless you have a really good officer with you, that um, that's with you, that'll uh, let you ride up, and he sits behind you. Mm-hmm. You get some work, um, but there's really not a whole lot of pre work unless you do it yourself. Right. So I was always Which, so it's totally a new game once you're sitting in that yeah, spot. Yeah, and, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm pretty much like in my mentality is I, I want to know where I'm going. Right. I start with the end in mind, like that's the goal. So I need to understand that. Even getting on Aurora, I remember sitting at the bar with uh, Chief Bobby McKee one night, and I go, "Hey, man, what's going to happen if I got to go to the rear by myself? Mm-hmm. You know, when do I know?" He goes, "Listen, kid, put the work in. If you put the work in, it'll come when it needs to come." And I just, it was like this calming feeling, you know? So I, I figured if I'm going to do anything in my career, I want to prepare for that next position. Not saying I deserve that next position, not saying that it's owed to me or anything like that, but it's, you put the work in and when you're, you're, you're working towards that end goal, right? You want to, you want to be able to walk in and, and what we do as company officers and that Lieutenant spot is truly the, one of the biggest impacts I think in the fire service. Mm-hmm. So I would look forward to that. I look forward to the daily trainings. I look forward to building a company and, when, when you become a lieutenant, and the, I think the greatest thing that, that happened to me, well, you guys asked about mistakes, so I'm going to get into that in a second, but the greatest thing for me was to build a team. Like, mm-hmm. that, to, you know, that the, 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 the beginning, it's all like, oh, I'm trying to figure you out, and you're trying to figure me out, and I'm trying to figure this out. And, right. And it takes a little bit, right? But once you get past that awkwardness and feeling comfortable in your uncomfortability, all of a sudden it becomes really, really fun. Because as a lieutenant, the only thing you have to worry about as a lieutenant is your people. Right. That's it. That's it. The captain yeah. worries about the house. The captain worries about the the rig and the broken shit. And you get to worry about your people. You get to train them every day. You're embedded with them. And you get to make the biggest impact. In, in you said life. in bed with them, right? In bed. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought you said. Because that's, like, that's how we do it. I know. But. I get it. <laughs> I, I'm with you. You know? <laughs> Yeah. I think I added an ED to the end of that, yeah, but no, no, no. you heard no, whatever, you, whatever, Corey. However, I, I, it works for you, buddy. Right, I mean, no, I'm, yeah, that's right. He uh, runs a different ship. Uh, Apparently, so. listen, I we get real close. That's so right. that's <laughs> the way it's supposed to be, man. You know? um, yeah, so. no, it's 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 cool because you're. Um, I know, I know, I kind of said this before, but like you're middle management, and like there's there's I think there's a lot of guys that, and I'm sure I'm I'm guilty of it too, but I think there's a lot of guys that are like, all right, like I've got I've got some power like minimal but i probably think i have more and like i'm gonna try changing this or i'm gonna try doing that and like i think it's it's such a cool position at least where i'm at because like i don't i mean i i'm always fighting but at the same time it's like i'm just given i'm giving these orders like we i gotta do my best how to how i want to implement them i have to do my best on how you know i can maybe shield guys or 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 not you know, for us to do what we got to do. But like, that's not my job is to, is to rewrite the SOP book. My job is not to, you know, like, Oh, we're, we're going to start making um, this as an engineer now, because I don't like the way that the system was before this. Like you're, you're given this, this like skeleton and you've got to work within that, that region. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the most powerful position, I think mm. when it comes to people. Yeah. Right. And you and influence the most. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a huge influence because you're going to get younger people than you normally, right? Normally you, you know, and if you have a senior guy, great, even more powerful to help embed what you want put into your company and how you want to look at it. Yeah. And, 
And, you know, there's a, there's a great book out there, uh, John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership, and it talks about, it talks about the, 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 the five different ones. And one, level one being that day you get promoted, right? You get handed a bugle, and you go, here. And now you have the authority of the fire department to do what you want within the scope of the rules. As you move to number two, it's more relationship-based where you're starting to get to know your people. You know, and do you know your, your everyone on your company's name and their kids' names and their hobbies and that kind of stuff? And then three, because you've built on two and built that relationship, three becomes the three becomes that I'll do anything for you. The guy that you work like, I'll run through a wall for that guy, because that's level three leadership. It's like I'm going to do what he wants me to do or she wants me to do because I know he has a relationship with me, and cares about me. And then four is that building other leaders. So you find someone, Corey, as you get promoted and you're longer in your careers, you go, man, Vince make a great lieutenant. Let's start prepping him. Right. And that's level four leadership that you're going to give to him. And then level five is because of who you are. So if I, th- <laughs> if I threw out a name to you guys like um, Ray Orozco. Heard of him. Heard of him? Right. He's, <laughs> but, I mean, on a personal level, you're going over for birthday parties and stuff? No. No. His leadership styles there, yeah. Bobby Hoff, uh, Rick Colomay, Hugh Stott, uh, Bobby McKee. These all these names. It's because who they are, right? The reputation. That's level five leadership. But if you move, just just gaining that re- recognition. But if I move, if I move to John Norman into IBM, right? He's not a level five leader because he had to earn that, right? So, as a leader, we have to huh. look. We, yeah. have, we have to look how we develop as as firefighters, lieutenants, captains, and what we're leading and what we're leaving behind. And that those five levels really put you in perspective and you're not always going to be in the same level with everybody. You know, you, you know, you and I, you're level one because you're my boss today and I don't know you, but Vince and you have a relationship and you've been working together for 10 years. You're a different leader to Vince. So you can't be the same with everybody. And yeah. so as a Lieutenant, you have the ability to learn that that's, you're going to make mistakes as a Lieutenant. You're going to, you're going to make, you know, statements. You're going to do things as a new Lieutenant, which is going to teach you, how to be the captain of the house. And then once you spend some time in that rank, because it seems like we all want to run through the ranks. Right. And uh, Chief Henry would always say, don't promote yourself out of a job. Yeah. Don't promote yourself out of a job. And I, I took that to heart. Like, I spent almost eight years as a lieutenant because I loved it. I lost a bet to take a captain's test. <laughs> <laughs> so I took it, and now here we sit. But yeah. um, I think as a lieutenant, that, that position to build and to – encompass and to develop your people is just priceless if you do it right yeah and uh and brian actually talked about that a little bit when you're talking about like looking for looking for like other leaders that in your company like uh, Kalag actually said it referencing like um uh like like-minded guys on mm-hmm. his job like again like he they didn't have a major change or he felt like they didn't have a major change in cicero until you know, they got a good team and a good mm-hmm. good crew of officers that were all very like-minded or a good crew of firemen that were all very like-minded. And they were actually, at that point, that's when they were actually really able to start getting, like, boots on the ground and, like, get things going with training-wise with him. Um, so at what point in your company officer career did you really, really get behind all this stuff? Was early on in, did you feel pretty good about it? Or like, did you, did you start implementing stuff like this when you first started? Oh, or no, I, I took, I took my time. By the sea, your pants, I, took, I, I tried to take it in, you know, and um, <clears throat> so when I first got promoted, I was relieving, I would, I would try to have a, like something in my pocket, a drill for the day and something small, nothing like a major three line sure. drill, blah, blah, yeah. blah, you know, run outs, but something small. And then, um, I also tried to have everything we did was a, was a training, like everything that we talked about. So if we went to an ambulance run, 
into the cul-de-sac. Hey, how are we going to back down? Are we going to back down? Are we going to pull the cul-de-sac, drop the skid, and pull forward? What are we? Gonna, what hydrant are we going to hit? And just get guys in that mindset of of we're firemen today. Yeah. And in my morning, in the morning, I was very regimented um, of how I started my day every day. Did you? What'd every you do? day. Um, I come in. I'm always. I was always there before them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, try to get there so they see my car, so they know it's going to be a normal day. Yeah. Um, and then every day after the morning briefing, I would go through what's your responsibilities on a box, what's your responsibilities on an extrication, what's your responsibilities on a code, full still, those type of things. And uh, it would just it'd be a five minute thing. Yeah. But it was if I had a relief guy there or whatever, it would just be the same thing every day. So we're in the game. Yeah. Because everybody comes to work with stuff, right? Everybody, you know, as you get older, you get kids and they're like, no child money. They took it out of my wallet. They this or that. The wife right. and I are fighting, blah, 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 whatever that is. But you got to get in the game because at 805, you can be working down right. some hallway. And I know that's melancholy or dramatic or whatever, but, nah. but it could happen. Absolutely. And, and you want to be just prepared at 805 as you are at, Noon, right? right? And so I always try to start my day the same way with the, you know, just a little on the apparatus floor. It's not some big formal, hey, let's get in our dress uniforms bullshit. It was, hey, this is what you're doing. Make sure you get the this, this, and this on this. Make sure we got this, this, and this. And I had three rules, and it was simple. The first rule was know where you're going. Don't turn to me in the right seat and ask me where I'm going, where to go. I got other shit to think about. You're a professional firefighter driving a $300,000 piece of equipment. Know where you're going. Two, you need to know everything that's on that rig and where it's at. You got to know exactly. I don't want to hear cabinets banging and banging, looking for a tool that I asked for. And third, know how to apply that tool when you get to where we got to go. And those are my hard and fast. I mean, you got to pick three things. An old chief or an old lieutenant told me that. You got to pick three things and hold tight to them because the rest of that shit, cleaning the garbages or this or the coats on the handrails or the handrails or the radio straps with radios, not whatever yours thing is. Well, pick, but it's not bullshit to you, but pick your three things and hold tight. The rest, you got to play in the gray area. You got to let them get away with stuff. And, and we're, we're, I don't know if we're going in the, in the route you wanted to go with leadership, but as a lieutenant, Corey, I think the, the way we got to look at it is we do three things as a boss. We advocate, protect, and justify for our people. That's what we're supposed to do, advocate, protect, and justify. So you got to advocate for them, good and bad, school, whatever. They want to go to classes. They want to learn more. They want to get promoted, whatever. You got to advocate. Two, you got to protect them. Sometimes it's from themselves, right? So sometimes, hey, fellas, a little too far. Bring the reins in a little bit. Or you got to protect them from the chiefs that are coming down that don't know the true story of what happened, and you got to take that hit for them. Okay, you're not gonna you're gonna suspend somebody. You're gonna do something. It's on me. You protect them either way, from themselves or from the big bad chiefs. And then you got to um, justify because sometimes they're gonna make decisions on the ambulance or on the engine that might not be the best decision. But they made a decision. So you got to justify with the information that they had at the moment, at the time, to make that call. Because hindsight's twenty twenty. So you can sit back and go, well, I would have done it, I would have done it this way. Well, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way because you're making decisions with limited information. So that's as officers, and I don't care what rank officer you are, that's what you're there to do is advocate, justify, and protect your people. And that that's where true leadership comes from because you're gonna they know that you have their back when the when it's the shit's gonna hit the wall. You have their back, and that's going to get more ground than any book, anything. It's they know you, they you got them, and that's that's how you build your company. Yeah, wow. I, I feel like I just got a free class in. Uh, so, <laughs> well, it's about you, Vince, and I had already talked about this while you were outside that we were going to make this all about you and getting yeah. you ready to it's, progress in your career. You know, I've 
I've been. He just advocated <laughs> and justified you, Corey. That's, that's right. Just <laughs> nice job. We picked this up. Motherfucker three leveled me just now. That's right. I didn't even fucking realize. So, and I'm I'm happy Vince has actually turned the corner on this. I've been talking about this since this thing started. How I think the name's all wrong for the podcast. I think again, it it should definitely be more about me. Um, Corey's, but, bra- Corey's bravest stories. Corey's right. bravest. Stories. I I think it's got a nice it's ring got, to it. Honestly, we don't even have to change uh, change the letters to it either. The abbreviation <laughs> works perfectly. Um, so as uh, and and kind of going, I guess maybe a little off topic topic maybe keep it on topic but like when you um so you get promoted at what point have you been involved in training outside of aurora before oh, yeah. that or so going back to uh my west chicago days really after paramedic school so after i finished paramedic school they asked me to come back and teach paramedic school so oh, awesome. that was one of my first uh training things or teaching say, so jumping off i mean you really had yeah had so the passion, yeah, kinda, yeah. yeah. Uh, vicky vock was the coordinator at the time and uh, grace loving and uh Grace has since passed, um, but um, they kind of taught me how to to get like involved in convey that. Convey the information. Yeah, so yeah. I started out as a paramedic instructor, and uh, then I went to West Chicago, and I met up with Hugh yeah. in uh, U of I, and I started throwing pallets, like, for free. I'd go down there. They didn't have stoker positions at the time. You just went down if you knew somebody, and yeah. you stoked for them, right? right? You threw pallets. And the knowledge gained in those years from, like, 94 to when I got hired on were just impeccable to sit there and watch people teach yeah yeah. you know you just watched people and you watched good instructors and you watch bad instructors and you watch how they convey messages and how people learn and receive the message and so um i helped with that and uh, i got hired in i can't remember the exact year 98 99 for at u of i as a field staff okay um was involved in the smoke divers program fire college um then i moved into uh engine truck um did that. I ended up being the uh, program manager for Smoke Divers. Uh, took over for Hugh. Hugh mentored me and built me up, and then I took wow. Smoke Divers over. So I was the project manager for that for a few years, and then I also was the. Uh, I took over Engine as well, so I was the program director for uh, Engine for a few years. Even though you're more of a truck guy. Yeah, well, but I'm also an instructor, Corey. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, with all due respect, with, so. So going, I mean, uh, so you were involved this whole time. So yeah. how, how did that, did that kind of play on, on all these levels? So you were really, I mean, again, like with me, just like I got promoted and I'm figuring it out every single day, but like you, I mean, you kind of had some good ideas going into your promotion. Like, all right, like this oh, yeah. is, this is how I'm approaching this. This is how like you, yeah. you didn't come up with, with the, with, with these different, uh, these different mm. paradigms, Mm-mm. like a year after being a lieutenant, like you had some good background. I had great mentoring. In. That's awesome. Well, you hit the ground running. It kind of seems like you I, had to work your way from, from scratch. Yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't know what yeah. I was doing. Or, I, to this day, I don't know. I mean, I'm going from a blue shirt, you guys still don't seem like you didn't have like a training to be an officer within no, your department, right? Yeah, no, not really. I, I think that's probably, I mean, maybe I could be speaking for other people, but um, I feel like that's, I think, generally what a lot of places like mine do. Well, even agree? us, there's nothing, Chief? there was no classes for us. We, yeah. we would, uh, for a lot of years, our contract said that we had to go down to uh, company officer school at Champaign. Right. Um, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago, or I think it is now, um, our union went to Romeoville's com- uh, company officer school. Uh, they sent a couple guys to check it out, 
and uh, the department sent a couple of guys, so they worked together. Yeah. Uh, they really liked the program that's there. Uh, that's so nice, awesome. Now we'll it, definitely have to give them a plug at the end, too, because like, I, I didn't even know Romeoville had that, which yeah, is so they, awesome. Yeah, so now it's in our contract that they got to go to Fire Officer Academy at Romeoville. Wow. Prior um, to promotion or? or? Uh, prior or right after. Okay, so relatively You're going. Soon. You're okay. going. And that's really that's the awesome. training that we have. And then uh, that's a change, right? That's, yeah. that's good. Uh, Chief Brady brought that along with Chief Lehman back when they were doing U of I stuff. And then... Uh, we also, uh, Ricky Colome and, and Ray Roscoe designed the uh, command school at Romeoville. So there's also a command school now, too. So Aurora fired guys when you get promoted to battalion, go to Romeoville's command school. You, okay, so as you're going to battalion. Okay. Yeah, so they send you there as well now. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so, so you're getting some yeah, pretty so good of, training. I think cool. so nine, out of our nine street chiefs, I think six now have been through Romeoville's command school, and the other ones have been through IFSI. So wow. uh, we're definitely uh, they're doing something, and it's, it's getting— Let's say how your guys' response on it, pretty good? or Yeah, yeah, yeah. they like it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, got a lot of good feedback from— uh, you know, you set the expectations of anything, though, right? Because there's things that you're going to take, and there's things that you'll never do. And right. you just got to understand and be mature professional firefighters and lieutenants or cat or chiefs to go. This will work by us, and this won't work by us, and that's okay because not everything works everywhere. But right. it's it's definitely a positive and, and getting guys dialed in. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, if it's if it's one thing, you you know, I mean, our job, I think, in general, is like never no two calls are the same yeah. and like how often have you I'm, i mean especially you i gotta manage because i know it's happened to me a handful of times where like this this like weird little fun fact from from this class that you took or whatever nonsense you were like this is never i'm never gonna have to deal with a fucking snake bite here and then just all of a sudden you like kind of bust this guy like huh i don't even remember i remembered that one you know yeah, like, absolutely right yeah. um so um going through uh going through your your lieutenant ship, how, um, I mean, you've had a couple things going on through there, right? Or did you yeah, have any we, notable um, stuff? Yeah, we some really cool stuff. Um, so I had a fireman, uh, John Hopkins, and he's a, a big World War II guy. Huge, right? Yeah. You know how some guys know players of baseball teams right. and this stuff? Yeah, this guy he knew sergeants. Come stuff. on. Oh, yeah. Big Jeez. band of brothers uh, yeah. guy and just just a, just knew, knew his stuff. He, uh, he used to do those uh, statues and the paint them and oh really yeah. world he, yeah, yeah. he actually took the band of brothers tour went over there and followed in the footsteps went to tacoa you yeah. know and and you that know Curry, awesome. and then yeah he did the whole thing so he yeah. was on my company and so uh we got together and we we're watching band of brothers right. and uh it's his thing it was his thing <laughs> right it was his thing so well, the other private goes why don't we become redshift easy company all right i'll sure. go to the captain so yeah. i went to the captain the captain goes why can't we just be the station the easy company <laughs> All right, you're in on this too. He's Good. a one upper. <laughs> <laughs> so it really took legs of its own. So we contacted the Easy Company Foundation out of Texas. Um, the grandkids of all the guys from Easy Company still, um, they still have the reunions. Come on. Yes. Yeah. I got uh, I got a really cool challenge coin from them from the 506. Okay. Um, so we started that, and we we built a logo. We built T-shirts. We the whole station wow. took on it because it, 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 it really didn't have a, uh, a culture there. Right? It didn't have anything. Yeah, it was just yeah. a station. And um, it kind of took on its own It took on its own thing there. It was really cool. cool. So we're sitting at this transformer fire at one of the ComEd plants, and it's just rolling out of the top. There's nothing we can do, right? You're yeah. just watching the oil burn. And, right. It's so hoppy. And, and the guys from the station don't understand what I mean by this, but hoppy is hoppy. And he goes, I don't know. I think there's an easy company guy who lives in Joliet. And I'm like, now you tell me? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I know he lives in Joliet. Okay. So I Google him on the computer in the rig. And yeah. sure enough, Frank Bricani, 
Huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, no shit? Yeah, no shit. And uh, Frank Riccani, Corey, Vincent, I know who he is, but he was the guy who wore the watches. From Band of Brothers? Yeah, remember the guy that had all the watches on? Oh. Uh, he always had the toothbrush. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was Frank. Yeah, I re- yeah. yeah, that was Frank. No kidding. So, so I call him yet. up. So I picked the phone from the, the firehouse phone. Yeah. Or the, I'm sitting in the front seat. Call the number. Yeah. Ringing, ringing. Hello? <laughs> Mr. Bricani. Yeah. Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> I go, it's the fire, fire department. Click. And he hangs up on me. Kind of just hung up on me. What the fuck? I'll take it. That's all right. That's, you know. call, him, call him back again. Hello, Mr. Riccani, fire department. Don't hang up. Hold on a second. And he hands me to, uh, I think her name was Susan and Lisa or Susan. She was his tear caretaker. She yeah. had a neighbor that would look out for him. Yeah. So we explained to her what we're doing and all this stuff. And yeah. uh, we'd really like to meet him. He's a hero of ours. You know, we'd like to, I didn't, we didn't know he was that close. Right. So uh, we set up a date and we called up her and says, what, what does he want? What can we bring him? And uh, he, she, he was like, he loves Portillo cake. Oh, that's easy. No well, problem. Who yeah. Who doesn't love it, right? Right. <laughs> right. So we go, oh, we'll get two just in case. <laughs> yeah, right. So we we, uh, we set up a time. We go out there and uh, Come on. we bring our helmets and we had, and we, we, we probably pissed off other companies. Uh, who cares, right? You know, yeah. We put Easy Company on the bottom rocker. We oh, were on the top. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. So we brought our, we brought our oh, helmet, our bonnets with us, awesome. you know. So we're going there and we knock on the door and I'm thinking, this is a World War II hero. This could be this big, badass soldier guy, right? He's, he's small, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's like 5'2. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So he turns yeah. around in his, his recliner because he's in a recliner. It's this little dude. Yeah. It's like, come on in, fellas. And we sat there for two and a half hours talking to him. He had his shadow boxes up, all his medals. And we talked about, we were asking him about like, uh, how cool was that, man? It was, Vince, I, I, it, it was like, I don't know. It was the, one of the coolest things because we're sitting there. and They don't make guys like that anymore. No, no. <laughs> and, 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 and just to show the class of this guy. So if, if, the, if the people that are listening ever see the movie, Captain Sobel was their captain in training, and he was just a jerk to them. He always had to punt. They punished him and punished him and punished him. So I go, a couple of the questions I asked was, hey, uh, Mr. Bacani, do you think that Easy Company was as well-trained and dialed in and collected together because of how Captain Sobel treated you guys? And he stops, and he looks at me, and he goes, I think he's dead now. <laughs> and that's all he said. It's like, if you got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing nice at all, right? So, so I go, okay. I go, uh, how was uh, Major Winters? And his eyes lit up like he was a kid, like he was 22 again, and he was talking about his commanding officer. It was such a thing to see, like, as you know, as a young lieutenant and watching him. Uh, uh, at the time, he had to be 80 years old. Um, Light still, up, still light up because of his guy. leader, right? He goes, he was the most remarkable man I've ever worked for. And Bob went on, and then he also talked about the uh, his. Uh, he was on a stick with, um, oh, I forget the guy's name, Buck, Buck Compton. Buck Compton was the guy in the movie. Yeah. Remember the really blue eyes? Yep. And he ended up. Uh, he actually went on to a really good law career. He uh, he tried Sirhan Sirhan, uh, but huh. he talked about Buck Compton too. He's like that guy was a, a, a soldier, soldier is how he put it. You know, okay. he was with him. He was one of his lieutenants. Yeah, he was a lieutenant yeah. on a stick. Yeah, he was a lieutenant on a stick. And uh, and he said, you know, one thing about the movie though, uh, it shows Buck losing at the end, and that's some. You know, that's not what happened. Buck left, and he was strong, and blah blah blah. So, so that led into how was the. How did it portray you guys? And that was another question we had. And he goes, well, I don't know. I was in like eight of the ten episodes, so I thought it went great. <laughs> <laughs> so and out of nowhere, he turns to us and goes, well, fellas, I got to go. I'm like, it's your house, man. <laughs> Where do you got to go? He's like, me and uh, Murray are going to go chase some dames at theirs. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
hey, a couple of dames. Yeah, we, we go chase the dames at theirs. And like, okay, thank you, Mr. Riccani. And uh, we left. And uh, my one my one fireman ended up staying in contact with him. He lived in Joliet as well. And we'd go in and check on him. And, uh, and uh, then he, he passed a few years back. But it was just an honor. And a, so, yeah. so to talk about building your company, right? You talk right. about you got to find something that everybody was into. And, and they, and the captain really took it. Uh, captain Salagi, uh, he's retired now, but he, he made it what it was out there and, and it just became easy company. It's still easy company today. And it's, that's you know, awesome. You know, and they bust their chops about it, which is well, great. Right. Yeah, oh, easy, right. Co easy co you know, and then, you know, Hoppy got transferred to the truck. He's like, and now I'm an easier company. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, it but just it, kept on giving the just kept on giving. Yeah. So, but, uh, I, so I, that, I, that was my lieutenant ship out at nines. It was just like, and we ran a lot of calls. We were, we we're busy there. A lot of EMS, a lot of accidents on the tollway. We covered the tollway and, you know, we had that trooper that uh, got hit and burned up. And you know, there's some, a lot of shit that happens on the tollway and you know, landing helicopters and stuff on there. It's cool. I, You know what? Over by Schiller, that's, I, I said this, like, whenever there's some nonsense in the news about a, a bad highway accident, I, we just, we all look at each other and we're like, thank God we don't have a, a highway run through our town. Oh, I've crazy. just heard nightmares about it. So going from lieutenant to captain how was that you well you said you lost a dare pretty much how'd you <laughs> what was what was that transition like for you um it, it was good because um they transferred me out of nines which i was pretty upset about they transferred me to fives which ended up being great the company over there were some young guys uh mike Case, uh kevin casey's nephew mike casey was on the company oh, yeah. and um mark long and uh eric and it was just a bunch of young guys so it was cool and uh i spent the next from January to June, and then I got promoted in June to captain, and then I was relieving. Did it hurt? Yeah. Did it? <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't, it didn't hurt as bad as leaving captain to chief. That was that was the point. Oh, really? Was, yeah. Huh. So I got uh, promoted. It, it sucked um, because you know you 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 know you build a relationship with anybody, right? Even leaving nines was sucked, but. Yeah. Um, Speaking of captain, that was that was one of the last jokes I made was about this this one captain was uh, I was calling him Sopo all the time and he never saw Band Brothers and he didn't he didn't know what it was <laughs> they, they found out later he didn't like that one well you remember <laughs> when Sergeant Lipton they gave him the battlefield promotion yes. he didn't want it he didn't want it because he wanted to be one of the guys he wanted absolutely. to stay but absolutely captain or uh, he was captain at the time uh, or maybe Major Winter it was, it was, was Major, major yeah he he told him that we need you right can influence these guys from this position more than you can as a sergeant i don't right. want to talk about band of brothers the entire I can't, podcast I can't stop. but i, I love, it. love it because yeah. there's so much leadership in there like, yeah, yeah one of if my you favorite, want to be a leader you need to watch make that. yourself the Absolutely. major winners oh, yeah. and from you know him being a lieutenant all mm -hmm. the way to the you know the end of the war like right absolutely that's well, funny was too because i'm, I'm reading um i'm reading uh, uh Dick Werner has a book right now, or not right now, but one that I'm reading right now. I'm reading uh, is this book, and it's funny because I, I thought literally the exact same thing as you when you were talking to him about, like, how I'm like, you know, Sopo was a dick, but, like... He does attribute he, like, him I would being a dick think to that, how good his company was. Well, right, yeah, no, no he sure, does. And, and, like, I thought the same thing as you. I'm like, the, did they come the together because of that guy? And, like, even in the book, like, for as classy as Dick Winters was, like, I forgot, yeah. I don't remember if it's in the book or if it's someone else I was talking to, but they were like, to this day, they all hate that motherfucker. Yeah. Like, they hate yeah. this guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, when he, uh, he gets promoted above Sobel, and then oh. Sobel won't salute him, and he's right. like, hey, you salute. 
the Smooth rank, the rank, not, not, not the man. The man. Yeah. I was like, oh, snap. Jesus. But, but you talk about mistakes, right? And Winters makes a mistake when they're going across the field, and he wants to run out to his troops. Right. And the colonel grabs him, right? Grabs him. And says, yeah. that's not your job anymore, Derek. Oh, and we're going to get to that, too. Right. So Yeah, yeah well, so, that, that that's going to come into play. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, let, let's... Yeah. So I moved to so, captain. Yeah. So I get promoted to captain. I go. I end up getting station three, which is a West Side Engine ambulance house with the battalion, West Side Battalion in it. And your position as a captain, you're still on the rigs and apparatus. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're, uh, you're on my rig. There was two lieutenants and myself. So as in the Aurora fire department, when you make captain, you're responsible for a house. Okay. That's, that's, that's the change. That's like, that's like how you guys do in the city, right? Yeah. Vince? So, yeah. Then, you know, so you're in charge of the house and that means if support services got an issue, garage doors, any of that stuff that goes through the captain. Okay. You know, the, with the chain, you know, that, that's who's in charge. It's like yeah. running another house. And, and your particular house that you were at, did you, was there any, was there a battalion chief above you or were you? Yeah, no, we had a battalion chief. That's the battalion twos in that house. Okay. Yeah. Second battalion's in there and um, it's good. I had a great working relationship with the guy. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, he actually trained me. Uh, to do what I'm doing now, so I was already, you know, starting oh, nice. to prepare. He goes, "Hey, it's going to happen. Let's start working on things." And he took it slow. Sweet. You know, I let, let me learn how to be a captain. And when he felt the time was right, he he started saying, "Hey, look at the roster. Look at this." You know, and huh. yeah, and then there's a couple a little... calls where we had a couple fires where uh, he kept me next to him. You know, so a little little mentoring going on. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, good. so so you get made, you get placed in this position, mm-hmm. and um, how'd it go? Great. I had yeah. a, I. I uh, I talk about Rick Torres a lot, but him and I spent more time together on companies than we were apart. So yeah. great working relationship. And he, he was my right hand. He, he helped, uh, he became senior medic there and, um, he's mentorable. I guess that's a word or yeah. teachable, teachable. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, teacher. and he asked the question about, um, how do I get these guys to do stuff? So we'd work together and I told him, give them a month, set up your ambulance the way you want. And if they don't do it, give them one more month. And then if that doesn't happen, call me. And, you know, so we had a good work. I empowered him, you know, and he, he did a, he, he was one of those guys that runs a tough house. He doesn't play games and he's, you know, you, <laughs> the guys at the Royal Fire Department would give, give him shit about it, but he's a good barn boss. Still working? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was just with him this weekend at a wedding. So, oh, no kidding. Yeah. So great, great guy. Yeah. So, so, so you're, was great. I was going to say your captain, um, any, I mean, I know there was some notable stuff, but, um, yeah, what, there, can there you was, go through some of the stuff you were dealing with? Sure. Um, so what's, what's your, your still area? Uh, the at. river, so Aurora has a river that runs directly through the middle, it runs okay. north to south. Um, so basically, the river west to I want to say a thousand west, ten okay. blocks west, and then mm. north to Plum, I believe it is, and then uh, all the way to the to Sullivan to the border to the okay. north. What does that area look like for you? Um, a lot of uh, one stories, uh, Montgomery Ward homes, a couple of hydrogen areas that, well, that long lays, not on hydrogen, but long lays, uh, old commercial. Um, some um, bow strings. So you get some you old. Gotta, we could we could have a, uh, a you know there's there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, it's probably not the busiest fire company, but it, the potential's there. Yeah, um, I was just saying, my first fire all, all walks of people, right? I mean, it's caught it my first kind of hairy. Yeah, all walks of people for sure. We have the hospital in that district too, so they take care of Mercy Hospital, which is um, a non non profit hospital, which okay. you know it, it's a little different than like a CDH or a Good Sam for sure caliber. Um, but I caught my first fire out of threes as a lieutenant um, in one of those commercials. So it's uh, there's some potential there. Yeah. yeah. So. And what? Um, and how was how was that time? That was good. Um, I didn't like <laughs> I didn't like the part of captain where everything got brought to me that was broke. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But that's yeah. just the, that's the job, right? Hey, this is you could come in in the morning, and I would come in with my civilian clothes on, and 
you know, get there at seven, shifts at eight, you know, get Change, my coffee. Change, kind of ease yeah, into it. Not, and... As a captain, it doesn't work that way. You walk in, and like, this is Hand broke. Hand me right away. Yeah, this is broke. You know what so-and-so did? You know what third shift did? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah. I get it. Okay, so that part was kind of, it took away the, I don't want to say the fun, it was just different responsibilities as a yeah. captain, you know. But it was it was good. Yeah. So know? guys, guys that would maybe talk to you, you know, about other stuff. All of a sudden, you're here. Yeah. Gripes. And you're out of the union though too. So that's your first step out of oh, really? local. So you be you, even though you're with them. Yeah. There's that first chink in the armor of, oh, you're out a little bit. Yeah. Oof. Which is but, but it's it's progression. It's the growth. That's the way it works. Yeah. That's know? fair. And and so uh, what kind of calls were you guys dealing with? Uh, what kind of calls were you dealing with? Okay. You know that being said. You, we, we talked about that you had this stretch where you had an apartment fire mm-hmm. that was notable. You had the shooting, which we will get to. Um, you had a, a pediatric burn, and it was all within a, a short. Were, yeah, were really, you a captain at this time? Yeah, I was a captain in Engine 3 at so the time. During the, and this is all going on while you were a fresh captain. And or no, no, this is my third year as captain. Oh, third year. Second, well, between second and third, I'm still a new captain, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And you, we were talking off the air about this stretch that you had, and your phrase to describe how you guys were dealing with this is that you're not going to make every corner, you're not going to make the corner every time. I know you wanted to talk about that, and I, I wanted you to kind of explain what you meant by that in regards to this stretch of like. Bad run after bad yeah. run after bad run. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho Physical Therapy. So, Steve, I understand you have a sports and ortho memory that you'd like to share? I do. Uh, just recently, I actually suffered an injury. It was a chronic injury uh, from uh, firefighting and paramedicing. I tore my shoulder and separated my AC joint right at the beginning of the pandemic. How do you feel right now? I, I feel I feel great. Can you um, lift your hands over your shoulder? I, I, can, I can do all <laughs> of that. But what was crazy was at the time, uh, they weren't doing shoulder surgeries. So I did not know what I was going to do until I was presented with the option of going to sports and orthophysical therapy. So you theoretically could have been out for a long time. I could have been out for a very long time, and I was told that the shoulder surgery I was presented with was going to keep me out a very long time as well. So you would have automatically lost your spot. Yes. And potentially be out for a long time. There'd be a loss of income as well uh, for like overtime and what yeah. have you, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So what, uh, what kind of things did Dahlia have you do? So uh, Dahlia set me up with uh, her, one of her therapists, Claire, Claire from England, uh, and Claire beat me up for three months straight. Well, you had it coming, Steve. <laughs> I did, but uh, we did all kinds of stretches. I'll tell you what, I've had other injuries where I've went to other facilities outside of the job that I'm currently at, and they did not do the hands-on manipulation, the cupping, the stretching, the massages, the massage machine they were using uh, on me, uh, all sorts of stuff. Needling, Claire did some needling on me, and and I'll tell you what, that needling, it was like, uh, I can't explain it to you, (laughs) but uh, it definitely, like, I could instantly feel, it was instant gratification when she was doing the needling on me. So how long did it take to get you back? So I did three sessions a week for approximately three months 
a little under three months, and uh, I didn't need to have surgery. I rehabbed that shoulder back, and uh, it, it was great. And on top of all of it, I had a thing going on at home where I couldn't be exposed to the virus or multiple people because of the virus. And Dahlia had gone out of her way to schedule me so that I would not have those experiences and I could do a lot of the rehab by myself with Claire. And it, it, she just, Dahlia went above and beyond to accommodate me like she does and she goes above and beyond for all of her clients. Um, and I'm truly, uh, truly grateful to her and Sports North for physical therapy. Well, there you have it. Living testimony by our own Chicago's Bravest Story, Steve. Sports and Ortho, you can look them up on sportsandortho.net. I mean, they got a location everywhere. So for all you up north, uh, Edison Park for sure. Mount Greenwood for you south. Brand new Oak Lawn, I believe. So sportsandortho.net. So I know you guys want to get into shooting a little bit. Um, um, oh, was that the same one, or was that a different one? No, so, but the, 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 this stretch was including the, the shooting, oh, and it was really? including an apartment fire on oh, Lee Street, God. and then it was this fire. So it was about, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, tones go off for a structure fire, um, and it's you turn, you pull out of my station, you turn left, and you can see the header. I mean, it's a good, I mean, this thing's rocking. It's not a pot of meat. It's, it's rocking. So I called the Mac, who's the chief at the time like hey man we need to upgrade this we got we got something going and um it uh he upgraded it right away he just come in as a still yeah well we our way we work is if someone calls up in aurora and goes hey i got smoke in my house or my house is fully involved it comes in as a box there's no still full still they're still in box oh really? it's just okay. a box any yeah. working fire is a box and then we upgrade it to a working response or another level which gives us our writ complement gotcha so and it's all in house anyways. It's so all in house. It's a matter of how you guys lay out your correct your units. So turn left, going west on an Indian Trail, and uh, um, Ricky was driving for me, and he's like, "Hey, hey, Cap, we're gonna be first due." Okay, got it. And uh, turn the corner, turn the corner, and this it's a four unit townhome, two story, and they're they're not in a row; they're like a puzzle pieces. Right? I don't know if, they, if I'm explaining it right, yeah. but like they're all backed up to each other, like an octagon. Like yeah, the, oh yeah, and. Uh, this one unit, the front doors, fire's blowing out the front door, blowing out the picture window, blowing out the second floor windows. And the guy's like, she's in here, she's in here. And I'm like, turn to Clint, who was my tailman. I said, get get the line to the front door. What time is this about? Middle of the afternoon, okay. probably two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, day fire, sir. Yeah, it was. And so, but I'm, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I'm looking at this building and something doesn't seem right. It just doesn't, you know, like something's, it's in my gut, but they're telling me. So I walk up to the guy yelling. I go, there's a door to the left that leads into the other unit. And then there's uh, the unit that's on fire. And uh, Clint's stretching. I, I go to the guy, is she in this door? She's like, no, she's in that window. I'm like, holy shit. All right, well, I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm like, let's put that out. And he's he's fight, he's hitting that, knocking it down, doing a real nice job working the line. And um, I try to make the corner, you know, and I turn the corner. And, you know, through my hood, through my gloves, it's just uh, burning up. Burning up, and, and 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 I knew, you know, you know it, you know that. What are you doing? But you still want to make that corner. Yeah, you want to make that turn, and uh, it, it, you know, and to find out what I found out afterwards. Masked up, tanked up. Masked up, tanked. Yeah. Up, yeah, I get to the front door, you know, and yeah. it just as I'm walking up, it's going on, and hoods up, and making the turn. Clint's hitting the ceiling, knocking it all down, and um, the the living room's still going, and 
And uh, so I, make, I try to make the corner. I can't make it. I'm like, what the fuck? I got to make the corner. I got, there's a girl in there. I got to make the corner. All heat. Oh, yeah. it's. So um, I back out. It's far, I, I got in maybe two feet, maybe, yeah. you know, and um, I'm like, fuck, I didn't, I didn't get to her. And uh, so Clint knocks that down. The second line's now coming up behind us. They take care of the living room. Clint and I make the entrance, make a left. I go into the room, and it was so hot in that room that when the water hit the drywall, it turned into slurry. Like, it, the drywall just disappeared. It turned into, like, a mud, you know? And uh, we're crawling, and we're crawling. I can't find the old radio here. We got the kid and the mom. I'm like, oh, yes, awesome. All right, yeah. All right, Clint, let's go to two. Get up to two. Clint's like, I got a hole in the floor. I'm like, we'll take a door off. He goes, there's no doors left. And that's when it hit me. What I was looking at was they took all the windows on the backside and they took all the windows on the front side and the front door. There was workers working in the building next door. And what I found out, basically it was a burn down, right? So it was wide open, heavy wind coming from the southwest that day, just lit it up. But um, what I what I found just out is the, the, hole. the yeah. mom and the baby were on the couch, One ba- the five-month-old, who was the kid they got, who was burned and the mom was burned, um, they, they, uh, they, she was out walking around outside and they, the medics got her and they said that for, you know, we got the kid. Well, the four-year-old was sleeping upstairs nap time. So what happened was the four-year-old heard mom screaming as mom walked out the door, the door shut behind her with the wind, shut the door and the kid couldn't get out the door. And she was in the window, pounding on the window when the workers took the window in, uh, hold on a second. The, the it took the window and it, it lit her up. Yeah. Right? And um, and uh, so we found out later that uh, she was in that room. We crawled over her and not that we we're going to do anything. Right. At that not point. that she's going to change anything. It was bones and you know and not right. to be graphic, but but the thing I want is is young firemen are coming up and young officers and old guys and just we we think we're always going to make that corner. You know we think we're always going to make that turn and um, you're not and it's okay. Right, it's okay, and I, I remember after we get a handle on all this, and I go out in the, I go out in the, I go out in the back, and I just take a moment for myself because I, you know, the last thing I want to do is my, see my troops see me upset, and and uh, I remember one of the one of the senior firemen came up to me and he just tapped me on my shoulder and says, "You did what you could. It's all okay." And that that right there was enough, right? Get back in the game, kid, right? Um, but it's 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 understanding that we're not going to make that corner all the time, but we got to be prepared to make the corner. And that's where the training comes in, right? That's where the experience comes in. That's where you have to empower your officers to make decisions and all those things that we talk about, we should live them. And so, so Vince, to answer your question, that was really what I meant when we were talking offline about making the corner. It's, it's just an analogy or a case or a thing that I went through that kind of put in perspective for me that we're not always going to make. There are going to be things that, that are out of your hands. Right, and, and, I, and I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah, you know, you think you, you know, you think you're, you're gonna make you, you're gonna make it, and well, you should want to make it every yeah, time, right. and you should still have that drive to absolutely that I want to make it. But accept the fact that when it happens, you're not a lot of times out of your control. Absolutely, you can do everything right, mm-hmm. it and still it's sucks. still it's still gonna suck. It's still right? gonna suck, right? And then that leads into a little bit of what I I, I talk about, you know, mental health a little bit, and. I, 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 I'm a big proponent that we need to keep our people mentally and physically healthy, right? We really do. But we also need to build resiliency in the front end. There's something that's not happening on the front end of mental health where we, 
you know, take the bullying and the harassment and all that out of it because it's all bullshit and it shouldn't happen. And if you're doing it, stop it. And if someone's out there that's getting bullied, call me and we'll go figure it out how to stop that. That's a different uh, mission set that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the call part. We're not setting up, I, I don't think that we're setting up the resiliency ahead of time where we tell people, hey, you're going to see bad things, right? You're going to see them, but you didn't cause those bad things. Where we're set into our mission set on these is at this point. And if it's a, a SIDS or if it's a burn baby or if it's a, a wife of 80, you know, being married for 50 years and dying, that you didn't, that's not yours to carry. And we gotta we gotta start helping people not carry that load. We gotta tell you that we gotta teach them that the mission set starts here at the nine one one call, and you're gonna make it better. So what you've done is positive. If it's a hand on a gentleman's shoulder that just lost his wife, or it's a hand on a wife that that lost her kid, or you do the CPR the best you can, and you tube that baby, and you get the IO, and you do the things you're supposed to do, that's a positive. And you gotta hold on to the positives because you made it better from the time you were inserted into that mission versus sympathizing or empathizing with the fact that that's yours to carry. And I think there's got to be, we got to figure out as a fire service how to build that resiliency on the front end so we can protect them on the back end. Well, that that's a hard, that's oh, a hard it, thing. It, to, it's a million dollar question. You can't, it, if you find a way where you don't take that home with you, let me know. Because I, I think that's the one piece of the fire service yes. puzzle that desperately needs to be figured out. But like we talked about an hour ago is that we can sit here and say there's a problem. Yeah. But let's figure it out together. It, it's, 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 that's it, going to be a tough it, one, man. It is. And it's, it, it's, I agree it's especially like in our job. I think that that's what makes it so weird is it's so far out. Like we get calls and, um, and, and again, I'm, I'm not telling anybody anything that, that, you know, especially if you're not in the fire service, but like we will get, you know, what a lot of people will call nonsensical calls all the time. But like, it's just someone that needs an answer. They don't necessarily, you know, they have a problem. They don't know who else to call. The dispatcher might not know who else to call. Right. But like we show up and our natural, you know, I, I've i talked about this before on like uh, about like side jobs where like firemen are very, you know, it's it's a very niche group because we show up and we make something happen like we like you said speaking before chief like there's there's a lot of calls where like you know you you might get someone who might not make a, a hard fast decision but like we want to to accomplish a mission every single call no matter how nonsense it is whether it's mm -hmm. a, a you know a call on a burn pit or a call on uh, on a kid that's not feeling good or on a call but like when people call us they're looking for someone to help make them make a decision for them and i think that us naturally like and vince me and you were talking about this earlier on some totally different but like we naturally as as guys that we are like we want to make something happen. We, we have this, like, uh, um, like we're reactive, you know, we want to make sure that we, that we fix a problem when we're there, but like, it's, this isn't a problem. Like we didn't, we didn't start this fire in, in the apartment complex. We didn't right. like, we're just, we're there because someone saw a fire and they called us. And based on, you know, on the moment we showed up to this call, we may have done everything right. We may not have done everything right, but we were only reacting to the situation that we were given. And yeah, but how, how do you lighten that burden of the run? We all have those bad runs that we carry with us. Sure. We remember them like, mm -hmm. like they happened yesterday. And especially for new people coming on, how do we lighten that burden for them? Like how do we 
almost desensitize them to but, and, and what do, they're going to be seeing and doing. I, I don't think you can um, because it's real. And that, and that, and and I'm not diminishing. Please, uh, I don't know who's listening. I, you know, I know we're going to get reactions to this and stuff, but I don't want it to be the reaction that we don't care or desensitizing. We know we need to be sensitive to what we're seeing and what we're doing because we see a lot of bad stuff. But how do we make, just like we work out or just like we eat right or how do we make our minds stronger? There's got to be a, something out there to help us on the front end to stay healthier within what we right. see. Because, well, I, honestly, I, I, I and, chalk that up. I, I think the only, so not the only, but like, I think one of the biggest solutions to that problem. And, and, you know, I, I think you're, you're at the forefront of a chief is, is this training thing. Like, I mean, it's not. Uh, well, how do you do preventive maintenance on your mentality for seeing? I, I think what that we see. On a yeah. I mean, I, don't, I, don't I want know that answer that's, though. I really, yeah. really want yeah. that I, answer I, I don't because know if, we do preventive maintenance on our heart. Yeah, we do preventive maintenance on our backs and our knees and everything else yeah. we do. So there's, I, I, there's so many smart. But, people let's not in this forget either service. that like I the first time preventive maintenance was set on this episode was me talking about picking up homeless people. <laughs> and so just just remember <laughs> where that phrase is coming. Not but, not the same thing because I agree with you, Vince. We we we're not doing we're not doing that. But we're so many smart people in this business. I mean, there's so many people and so many people care about this topic that we have the audience right now to try to figure that out. Well, There's so many people that- it, We've it, talked about what to do on the back end yes, and talk to somebody, start a conversation, yeah. you know, get that. But this is the first time and, you know, I can't believe that it never even dawned on, on me before to do something prior to you doing that. And if there was something that you could do when you went to the academy or something like that for stress hardening or whatever you want to call it. And keeping that balance because you- you know, as medics, we're all medics, in, in, except for Kalaga. Yeah. But he will be soon, though, because Cicero's going ALS, and yeah. it's going to be funny to watch him pick people up on the floor. But but how do we how do we set that tone at the beginning, right? Because we all care, and we need to care. We need to be empathetic. We need to... Well, there's a fine line, because you want to right. stay compassionate, mm -hmm. but you want disconnected. to... Disconnected as well, yeah. right? Right. You want to compartmentalize that part of your life, but you still have to work in that moment. So it, it's, I, I hear exactly it's, where you're coming from. It's a huge mountain. Huge mountain. Huge mountain. But, but we're smart we shouldn't, people. we shouldn't stop trying to climb it. That's right, because yeah. it's for our people. And if we're going to advocate, justify, and protect, that's part of what we do as, as yeah. leaders in this fire service is to go, I see a problem, let's go fix it. Right. Yeah. And we might not, we might not be the solution. It might be the next group of people that take our lead and fix it. It might be the one after that, but it's an infinite game. As Simon Sinek says, it's, it's an infinite game. It, it, it doesn't stop with us. It's gotta be, let's keep our people protected. How do we do it? How do, you know, U of I's got the resiliency program that they do in all their 40 hour classes. I don't know if that's the right thing or the wrong thing, but it's something we're starting to talk about being resilient to what we see, just like we're resilient to cancer because we wear our masks. Now we, wear our hoods the right way. We wear the right protective clothing. So we got to take that whole mental part of it and look at that. That's the most powerful organ that we have. How do we protect it? And that, yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying. So yeah. I don't want anyone that's, that's listening to go, oh, Chief Demons doesn't care about mental health because it's the opposite. No, 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 no. It's right. the opposite of what I... I don't think anybody who's listening to what you actually said would no. would take that stance. Yeah. And and again, like I think, you know, it was, I think that was a great analogy with like comparing working out because yeah, we, you know, we work out in preparation that we're going to have to do something physical, right. you know, and, and like I was kind of going, I mean, I guess I, I was maybe taking a different direction, but like... I, I think that's why training is so important is that like, you know, go back to that, go back to turn that corner, you know, 
if if I'm in that situation, knowing through training that I could or should not have taken that corner, I could or should not have, you know, made around that area, I would have, uh, again, hindsight being 2020, I feel like I definitely would have been better mentally prepared for it than not having trained at all and having no experience on if I should have. Like, sure. I would, I'd feel even worse if I was like, Maybe I should have, not knowing whether I should have or not, you know, because right. I hadn't been on top of my stuff and hadn't had the experience of not, you know, going through there. Um, and, and thinking later on, like, man, did I fuck up? Like, did I, like, you know, you didn't fuck up not taking that corner. You would have died. Right. And, you know, there, there was no question in your mind, but to a maybe a newer captain or a newer lieutenant in that same position, maybe he doesn't have that train to, to know, like, if he fucked up or not. Correct. Know? So training is directly correlated to that. And I think yeah. if, if, if we train hard and we, we, get, we know our jobs and then something bad happens, if you know that you were best prepared and, and going off the, right. my three hard rules, if you, if, if you know what you're doing with the tools that you have, then you've done everything you could. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean like, okay, now I don't feel it. It just maybe that's a tool that we use to put into that uh, resiliency bank. Or, but we got to, you know, we really have to figure out a way to get our minds healthier prior to just like we do our hearts and we do our up and overs and we all the things that we've done to to our physicals every year and all those things we need to we need to take care of our Push people in that direction also you know and, sure. and i want to I, I want to shout out to you guys too um i listened to uh and we give brian a lot of a lot of grief you know but what you guys did for for nikki was uh class act so i want to throw that out it's all we're talking about mental health and giving that time to well, share that it was something that that is important to all of us who who do this podcast and if we can help anybody, yeah. it was worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But class act. And I, I know I reached out to Corey afterwards and said it was just, uh, I, it was well, well, well done. And that's probably why I agreed because after that I heard the way you guys took care of Brian and it was like, that's a couple class acts right there. I mean, so. you, you might want to hold off. I will. I, I, know what's Brian coming. Until I know what's coming, Corey, <laughs> oh, yeah, Brian. Well, Brian so. and- well I, I mean, if... Let's let's bring this full circle with the training and your leadership and responsibility. We had one of your coworkers on our podcast, um, Chuck Nehemiah, and we talked specifically about a fire that he went to where he made a grab of a little girl in a basement, and he had to pass you up uh, to yep. to get to that girl. Correct. And I know you've we've talked and you've taken some criticism because you were at the door. And, you know, you're, you weren't in a position as a fireman Correct. At, for that particular fire. Well, and yeah, give, us, give the, us your breakdown. The restraint that you took yeah. to not go in there, you would have been a detriment to that run had you done what instinctively you wanted to do. Correct. So it was the middle of the afternoon again. I don't know. It seems like there's a pattern at the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the call came in for uh, two girls locked in a house, uh, heavy fire and coming out the whatever side. And uh, I showed up first. Uh, cops were just getting there as well. The police officers there. And they're like, I'm going to take the windows. And I'm like, don't take anything. No, no. So as I'm coming around the Charlie side, I heard the screaming from the basement. And your position. You're I'm a chief. I'm the, I was IC, battalion chief at the time. Oh, so, oh wow. Yes. And, and you were, what was? I was a first chief there. First, first fire, first okay. fire unit there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So and you then, saw it. From, from yeah, so I was the first first unit there, and um, outside of the cops, you're the first anybody there, right? Cops are yeah. just they were right in front of me on, on fifth, so um, so I, I get there, back my buggy in, 
I can grab my, my bar and I started doing my walk around and uh, I can hear the, the screaming from the basement. And uh, so the cop was going to go around and take the, would have been the, the D side windows. And I told her not to, she's like, no, I said, don't take any windows yet. Just wait, just wait. And uh, I took the uh, chief leak showed up behind me and I said, Randy, we got to get this door. We got to control the door. He's like, all right. So I took the first door, popped it. Um, and the call was that she was locked in the basement by her cousin, um, some family squabble. And what she did is take paper towel rolls, soaked them in rubbing alcohol and lit multiple fires throughout the building, upstairs, downstairs, and in the living room. So as we're taking the door, the fire's coming out of the bedroom over us. And I can hear when that, when I heard her, I radioed to truck two first, cause I thought they would be the first unit there called for truck two. I need a primary immediately in the Charlie side of the building basement, known victim and, uh, Truck two wasn't coming. So I step in, I get to the next door, and I forced that door to the basement. I was locked. Forced that door, controlled that door too. Um, and then engine five was coming with Chuck, and uh, I can hear him in the distance. So I closed the door. Crying, right? He was crying. Yeah. I but get he, that. <laughs> so I can hear five's coming. So I, I take out the back door. I go up to the street, look at the street side. I don't see the engine coming yet. So I go back and I started calling out, hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And she's like, yeah, I'm like come to my noise. I'm banging my halligan on the, the stairs. And I'm like, just come to my noise. I can't. So um, I called Chuck again. And now I'm using his name on fire ground. I get, you know, I'm more personal, I guess. I'm like, Chucky, when you get here, I need you packed up, ready to go now. And uh, so I run back and I see fives coming. And, and that was where the choice for me was made. If I didn't see that engine, I was probably going. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, so they came around and I stayed at the top of the stairs. I controlled the door to the basement, trying to keep it closed. Um, and then Chucky came coming around and I told her she's down to the left, go get her. Uh, as soon as he pulled up, truck two pulled up, the line was being stretched. Everything just had doing it and they're working and uh, they got the bedroom knocked and then they pulled her up. Medic five was right there. Uh, dropped them on the cot. Cot was at the back door. She ended up going to the hospital with like 30 seconds outside the building, sent off to Loyola whatever uh, messed up hands and burns and stuff and um, luckily now she's all back and better and healed and uh, those boys did a nice job that day um, but it was something that it, it bothers me to today it, it'll bother me I think for the rest of my career because how many times have we driven down a block as a fireman going what if that house was on fire would you go in and get somebody I know but that's what you know as firemen so we think about it. I mean don't tell me you haven't thought about that and it happened and I couldn't because of my position I, I couldn't, and it it's it, it haunts me. It bothers me. It it not haunts me. It's a yeah, it's a we're just yeah. it's like it just it's like a niche, right? It's like ah, you know. But what it wasn't if, my position to do that. It was my position to make sure those guys were taken right. care of and the right resources. And again, if you don't, I I know I'll, uh, I remember for a fact, you know, over that entire podcast, I remember Chuck saying specifically that if you don't do what you do. The other guys don't do what you like. You're not, I mean, I don't want to like, obviously I wasn't there. I don't know. But like, it's, it's the glory guy. It's the, it's the moron that like runs into nothing or runs into something like that without thinking of the overall picture. Like your job, yeah. that's not your fucking job. I mean, and I'm telling you is whatever. No, I know what you're saying. Though, but like, again, if you, if ever, if all of our parts, I mean, ha hammer back to the military thing, if, if all of our parts don't work in perfect con conjuncture. Like it's the, the whole house like hearts falls apart. Yeah, everyone's got a job from the, right. from the heel guy to the hydrant guy. I can't believe you had a Hallion. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm not even honest to God. Like it I, goes I mean, everywhere with me. When you're, which is awesome, everywhere. But it's, like, yeah, there's. I've always carried it. So you know, but there's. I know a lot of. I, I gotta tell you, my my um, uh, the guy in my buggy by me, like he um, for my shift, he'll he, you know, he's pretty good about eyeballing the situation. The last fire we had, he grabbed a um a dry chem and and did a good portion of work before he pulled up. But like even him, you know, he's one of the minority of guys who's like an IC that I actually see like trying to force a door going to add something like, again, it's when you're in that position, it's, it's hard to, it's well, hard it's to a not fine be. Line. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fine line. Right. And, and really if you go by your values and everyone else, we all have different values, but my number one value that I live by is people matter. Right. Um, and if I don't do what I'm supposed to do for my people, then I don't live by my value set and that's that's making sure that they come home and that's my number one mission every day is that my troops come home healthy safe and mentally stronger than they went to work and that's really what we're supposed to do as bosses right you know and it's uh some days are harder than others but right but it's uh that you know so yeah, I, I i've caught a little the, flack that's, that's the burden of where did yeah, you yeah i caught some little not not from my job i'm outside the job and they yeah. heard they heard Chuck's podcast a little, you know, a couple of days. Well, he should have went, and why didn't he go? And it's, you know, it's from people who were uh, Monday morning quarterbacks. Sure, you know, sure. and yeah. it, that's one of the natures of this business, right? Yeah, absolutely. Been yeah. around long enough, I know it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, personally, I I think you did a hundred percent the right thing for what it's worth, and I I think most of people would agree with me about your actions because that was your job. Right. It we could. We could second guess everything that you did, and if you did this, then that. But one hundred percent, you, I think you did the right thing. So, possibly from a different perspective, um, were you were you around too for for this this shooting that happened? I was still a captain at the time. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was captain of station three. And um, how much more did you do than Chuck? Because <laughs> Chuck said he he physically carried you. He did run. Right. He did. He carried me on his back. He all punched the, the shooter in the mouth. He right. did. Twice. Which I mean, we. I gotta <laughs> tell you, I can't believe I'm just getting out again to this now. But like, if you guys saw this mustache, you <laughs> whose mustache, mean, Corey? Oh, uh. not mine and not Vince's. T- oh my god, he winked at me. <laughs> not chasing the mustache. <laughs> um, yeah, I heard no. I, I heard you know on the all the podcasts I heard from you guys, it's a big thing to have a mustache a come big, in here. Oh my god, thing. we've had some glorious mustaches. In here. That's great. So That's great. Thank you. So I was much. I was just re-listening to one. And I'm like, I think I called this guy carnival face motherfucker. Like, I don't know. Like at one point, I'm like, I gotta. I yeah, gotta we gotta go stop drinking. Yeah, yeah. That was when there's peanut butter on the floor. That's funny. Oh, that's um, a whole other story. Yeah. Um. But uh. But to a lighter topic. So <laughs> yeah. So this shooting. So you were you were a captain at the time. I was captain of station three. Um. It was right after chow lunch yeah. and uh, again afternoon. Uh, weird, <laughs> you, right? You need to work nights. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the tones drop in the station, and my senior guy at the time, or uh, my senior firefighter, Clint, grabs the uh, thing. He's like, hey, we got a shooter. It's for real. I'm like, yeah, shut the f- Right. Up. So it came in what as a, an active shooter came, response? He came in as an active shooter. And like, yeah, no, he goes, no, it's for real, Cap. Let's go. And it was only for Medic 3 was the only, they were dispatched. Right, that was too, yeah. But um, so we're going. And I would chase, we would chase Medic 3 everywhere because we just, they're our guys. So we, yeah. even if we weren't, we'd put ourselves on the ticket. So we started heading there, and um, one chief said that staging would be at Engine Seven's house, um, which is like thousand yards to the south 
west of the shooting building. Wow, yeah. Um, it was right through the field. And as we're driving, we I had the police radio on, and I heard that uh, it was Officer Gomez got shot, officer down. So I told uh, Clint to go go to go to the scene, just go to the scene. And uh, I met Chief Makovich there at the same time. We pulled up, and uh, he was uh, EMS-1 at the time. And he's like, hey, got an officer down, take Medic 3 and Engine 3 down there. I'm down Cleveland. Okay, so we headed down Cleveland, and um, I had Medic 3 turn around backwards facing out. And then at that point, um, we reported another officer down, and uh, you can hear the gunfire. You know, there's still it was still active shooting going on, and uh, I set up a forward command post. Um, we didn't really have that in our orders. We didn't our our advanced, our active shooter wasn't protocol wasn't done yet because we've been training over the last two years with RTF. We got a grant with Naperville, and we've been training in RTF for a year, like actual movement. Just prior, just prior. Yeah. You know, law of recency, right? It's just it's just yeah. because we train on it, it's going to happen. And uh, so we had um, we had our little red bags. We had all our stuff. We didn't have our uh, ballistics, but so I took, took engine <laughs> yeah, three. Goddamn mail, <laughs> holding it up in the mail. Yeah. So had a medic three back in. Had a second ambulance come up and back in, and I started setting up an ambulance route there. Um, met up with uh, a police lieutenant, and uh, him and I were talking. He had the police radio. I had the fire radio. Um, then another another one went down, and then another one went down, and another one went down. Oh my. So we ended up with five. We transported all four. Um, and then while that was going on, so the orders to the ambulance guys were the two medics are in the back, driver of whatever engine companies associated with your medic units, the driver. I don't care if they have a skin knee or they're shot up. You're taking two medics with every police officer. And we just started a rotation. Uh, our chief got there with the chief of police, set up a command post. Uh, we had uh, Steve Weatherly and... Uh, uh, Chief Shivari in the command post is IC. Uh, Chief Mackage was RTF command, and I was forward command. And then uh, once we started sending RTFs downrange, we ended up with 14 RTF teams set up and moving downrange because it was about 200. Your RTF teams comprise of your medics and a police officer and multiple police, multiple fire. So we we're they were getting four. I think it was four firefighters and then whatever police officers. They could, so it was a four-man stack or a six-man stack, depending on how many police officers we had there. Um, so they, when they would come by me, I would just take the officer of whatever name, and that was RTF Niemeyer, right? RTF White, RT, and that's how I kept track of them. I put all the RTFs on um, Fireground 2 and, oh, okay. and Fireground 2, and I, put, and I had command on Fireground 1 and having ambulances staged. So we kind of ran that from, from that post there. God damn. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's time compressed. It was crazy. Oh yeah. It was compressed. So it, and I, you know, you, you go back and you relive it and you revisit it and just watching the, the troops walk down, the, walk down Cleveland and they're scared, right? They're nervous. You can see it. There's no ballistics. The shooter's not contained yet. They're going, moving forward. And, um, it's, uh, it's real, right? It was it's, real. Yeah, it's such a wildly different, and you've taken some stuff like that, right, Vinny? Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's such a wildly different mindset from what we had been trained to do. Yes. I feel like up until this point that like, especially. Well, it's, a, it's a new thing for the fire service. That, oh, yeah. That it, this has been going on so often that now the fire service has adopted protocols to deal with it. Correct. We. We don't do stuff like that on our own. Right, right. No, I mean, I mean we, Vince it, is used to wearing bulletproof vests, but we're, <laughs> we're generally not. Yeah, well, our department, we've had them since I got on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had them. And, but it's like the fire service always reinvents itself to handle the problem, right? Go back right. to EMS in the 70s. You go back to hazmat in the 80s. You go to TRT in the 90s. You go to 
all hazards in the 2000s and you know so we we're good at we're good at solving problems and yeah. getting and handling those things and putting in the protocols to to handle that and I, you know i couldn't be more proud of of those teams and aurora that day and how we reacted and the and, and the stuff afterwards the way that the chief handled stuff and and the chief of police handled stuff it was just first class all the way for the families and and it, it you know it, in the department and um you know, and the guys, the guys walking down range, it's, it's, you know, and it's, it's, it was real to them. And there's guys that, you know, bothered and we got them through it and um, they're better today than they are. We got our ballistics and those kind of things, but it's, you know, it's, you can put the glory to it or the stories to it, but when sure. it, at the end of the day, it, it's real. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's something out of our comfort zone. Right? Yeah. You put a two story frame on fire. We're, we're all glad to go run in there. Right. But you <laughs> right. put a guy with a, you know, right. a gun, and then it's like this is not what I signed up for, and I get that. And and to have guys still step up and do that, it's pretty proud of the Aurora Fire Department oh, yeah. that day. Just, I mean, I mean, I just could, the, yeah, just the leadership alone of of the of the Aurora Fire Department. Like, I mean, uh, going back to like the old war movies. I mean, how many times did you see guys like just and given it's a very different situation, but like you know, how often would you see renditions of like the one guy just kind of like backs up off the line or so you know something you know the 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 chink in the armor fall you know breaks the whole thing because somebody just you know was not prepared to do it that day and all your guys went home yeah and they everybody. were all, and they were all prepared to do it and that's, right it's, and, it's, and they it's pretty all went awesome. in pretty yeah. awesome they all did exactly what the orders were and the mission set and it and you know I in, in my position that day was a captain um, as as a captain as a Aurora firefighter as a civilian and standing in the city of Aurora to watch the Aurora Police Department and the Aurora Fire Department do what they did that day to stop because there's still 20 some people in the building that we, yeah. you know, so they stopped that, they stopped that, that day, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. That's 20, a big deal. 20 people went home, 20 people went yeah. home, their families, like it's. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're, uh, we're coming up on the, um, on the 30th anniversary in September. Um, September 11th, 2001, uh, uh, pretty, someone call it one of the, um, I get here described as uh, one of the greatest challenges the fire department of the United States have ever, has ever uh, had to deal with. Um, but I had heard that you had, uh, you took a trip with the boys over to, um, over to New York. Hey guys, uh, you know what? We're just gonna talk a minute about this awesome beer we've been drinking from Illuminate Brew Works. Um, right now, I'm, I'm drinking Trust, and uh, this thing is—it's just a really good lager. Um, we're going—we're kind of running the gauntlet here. We got some—we uh, got some awesome beer here, so we're just running through each one of them. Uh, I tried, Vince. You tried that Orange Sunshine too, right? Orange Sunshine is my new favorite summer beer. Yeah. Thanks to Brian at Illuminated Brew Works. If you guys are looking for an amazing craft beer, and, you know, I'm not a big craft beer guy, and I was a little hesitant, and then when we started popping yeah. these things open, uh, it was like Christmas. Yeah, we, we've been firing pretty good on we, these things. We, <laughs> we, we've been going through these yeah. like so, crazy. Bar Chicago's Bravest Stories is doing all right over here. Right. Well, the Illuminated Brew Works beer has saved us from drinking all the whiskey that we have here because... Uh, We've been drinking more beer than we have whiskey. We might not even be whiskey guys anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, that Creeper one was pretty good too, right? Vince Creeper was it. good. And we're fresh out of astronaut juice. In yeah, the if we had astronaut juice, that is my top one uh, from these guys. If you're looking for an amazing craft beer, you can find it at Benny's 
Norwood Park Wine and Spirits Beer Temple, which is right down the street here from the studio. So if you're uh, picking up some Illuminated Brew Works at Beer Temple, stop in, have a drink with us. Bottle and Cans, uh, Capones, Totos, and Ryan's, Rayans, R-A-Y-A-N-S. Yeah, these are all bars they're selling in. And uh, you guys would notice it for sure once you walk in because they've got some really cool artwork on each of their cans. Um, so, again, just, just look for the, the eye-popping uh, artwork that you're going to see, and they'll kind of lead you over. Again, this is Illuminated Brew Works. Make sure to check out anything that they've made so far because everything I've tried has been awesome. Oh, it, it's really good. If you go to uh, that place, Wine Styles, at 6182 North Northwest Highway, you can pick it up. And coincidentally, that is right next door to where the new brew pub is going to be. Illuminated Brew Works is opening up a brew pub at 6186 North Northwest Highway. It's going to be amazing. The beer is amazing. And we are also asked to mention that the new Brony is coming back out. It's a double hop IPA. So for you IPA guys, the Brony is coming back. But the the beers that he has in stock right now are amazing. Uh, Illuminated Brew Works. Thanks, Brian, again for uh, you know keeping us in beer here. And you know when our guests come in and stuff like that, we give it to them as well. And we've heard nothing but great things from uh, our guests who've uh, walked out of here with a four pack of uh, Illuminated Brew Works. Thanks, guys. Again, make sure to check them out. Illuminated Brew Works. Yeah, um, so there were six of us uh, from Aurora that went um, and uh, went with the Chicago guys. Uh, Chief Hoff and Chief Roscoe were our command personnel at the time, and uh, Joe Drennan was in charge of logistics, and um, we left on the morning of the 12th. Under, got, under what, like, contingency did you guys go? Has, uh, like, a Mabus or a, No, there was no contingency. It was just it grab was, your well, shit and go? Um, yeah, we were we were told, because um, I was getting off shift that morning, and they forced everybody back. So I stayed I stayed over that day. And uh, they told us during that day that Chicago was sending someone and they needed, they were going to send six of ours, our chiefs and their chiefs were close. And they were sending six people. They weren't know who they were going to be, but you'll find out soon enough. And then they picked the six. And uh, everybody had a different background. So there was a TRT guy. There was a hazmat guy. There was a, a guy that was deployed to Somalia. There was So everyone had some type of uh, specialty uh, or the team leader for technical rescue. Yours was a mustache, right? Mine was a mustache. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> didn't. But you know what happens, Corey? It's it's a lot of responsibility. It's just you can't. You know, you just can't. <laughs> they you don't just give those mustaches. Right, right, Corey. Right, Corey. You right. got to earn it, buddy. The, bur- the burden <laughs> nor the symmetry is not. It, it, it just doesn't come to everyone. I guess. <laughs> so so we were told that we were leaving in the morning, and uh, we left on the twelfth, and uh, spent. Uh, I think we came home on the eighteenth after they switched it wow. to rescue to recovery and yeah. FEMA take took over and the National Guard took over. But oh my god, um, yeah, there's you know um, the proudest proudest day as a firefighter I ever had in my career probably. Yeah, being part of that to wow. see that that amount of work and caring and and the hardest day as an American citizen, you know, um, and and everyone had a touch of it and we came home and and. Uh, Whoever wanted to talk to us, we did. The six of us had an agreement that if anyone ever wanted to talk about it, it was Aurora that was there, not any of us. And it's kind of how we've we've held it. And coming up on the twentieth wow. anniversary, it's you know it starts to play in the game. You start seeing the 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 specials on the History Channel. You start reliving that. And um, I'm not a 
I, I don't think I had, um, I, I think in my career, there's been a few calls that I hold on to that I've probably had experienced some PTS that I've gotten over or worked through. Um, that took a little bit. It took a little bit of, it took a little bit to get through. Um, you know, you, and I, I try not to watch the, I'll watch one special and that's it. And I'll call the guys on the day. Um, but the one thing that, uh, that always sticks in mind is we were, um, there's a lot of, there's some funny stories, but the one that, um, there was a group of first graders that, um, that came out with, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> you know, and, uh, they're handing them out to, we're, we did 12s and 12s and we we're on whatever. And they had these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and they're, uh, why peanut butter and jelly? And the little girl looks up and says, uh, it's cause you guys stick together like peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's just like, son of a bitch. Yeah. You know, you tear jerker, you know, and, but you, you knew right there, you made an impact, right? right? We talk about getting inserted into a mission set that New York needed people to stand up for them and America needed people to stand up and we didn't blow the buildings up. We didn't cause that to happen, but you know what? We responded because that's what we do. And it was such an honor to be part of that and to be able to, to make a difference in something. I don't know what we did, but we did something. And from being in the buckets to going underneath the steel to whatever it was, you, you had an impact and you rose up for the fire service and those brothers that lost their lives that day, you know, and some of those were people that I knew. I mean, Andy Fredericks, God rest his soul, was murdered that day. Uh, he taught with us at U of I, you know, and it's just, you know, you, you look at it and then there's friends that you have that are missing. You took a couple of days to find, you know, John was missing, finally got a hold of Don, you know, so it was real, right? Wow, these are your guys. Holy shit. Yeah, so you knew some, you know, you yeah. knew people, right? You knew people. And we rode in, I rode in the, in New York in, in 95 and 96 and met a lot of friends and stayed in contact with some of them. And, you know, it's, uh, some of those are, you know, they're not, they're not here anymore. Right. I'm not saying they were best friends, but we're, well, you know, I mean, it's just no different than sitting at a kitchen table here, right? right? It's, it's, it's very different going there for helping out, you know, uh, FDNY than it is going there to help out. Like, Hey, this is like, this is a buddy of mine. Like this guy. Yeah. And not, you know, not best of friends, but acquaintances. And, yeah. Which, you know, you know, I remember riding out in one of the truck companies and the guy's like, you sit in my seat. I'll stand up in the wheel. Well, okay. You know, it's just so that was that kind of character that you, you had out there. And, and the guys were, the guys, it was, it was a tough time for everybody, and, you know, it's coming up on the 20th anniversary. Right. right? It's, yeah. it's a few months away. Tough have to get some going for that. Well, we've we've covered a lot of, like, we went deep here yeah, you with did. your chief. And <laughs> Deeper than I thought we were going to go. Uh, to lighten, <laughs> to lighten I, the mood. Vince gets that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Vince gets that a lot. Come on, tell me about my college nickname now, right? Yeah, we're not ready yet. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so yeah to, we, we got a couple things for you. To well, let, yeah, bring it back. Well, I mean, let's let's lighten it up a little bit here. Right. Uh, I just found out that you did very well in a powerlifting competition. That is, is this correct? It is correct. Tell us I, all about that, man. I mean, that, that's, I, we're, 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 we're getting... We're diving right yeah. into this. Okay, we're, we're getting I mean, personal. I mean, not the best, but very well is what I. <laughs> well, I did. I did okay. Yeah, um, I did. Uh, I competed at the state meet uh, last month, and this is just powerlifting, right? Yeah, uh, APF. Okay, so it's American Powerlifting uh, Federation. So it's the accumulation of the three. Yes, lifts right. Yeah, deadlift, squat, and bench. Okay, so I, I actually happen to have your numbers here. Do you remember what they are? I don't because I don't you really. Don't? I, to me, it doesn't. Matter. Oh, I, I did. I tell you, he was gonna say that. I don't. He, I, I told you. <laughs> I he was don't know what say. they are. But fortunate for you, I have those numbers here. 
would it surprise you to know that you squatted 462.9 pounds? No. Okay. It's cool. It's cool. Right. Is, no, that right? is that right where we should be? Yeah, I thought it was more, but it's okay. <laughs> I thought <laughs> it was 482, but okay. Is, you know, <laughs> Vince's math might be skewed. Your bench, <laughs> who's counting, though? You know? <laughs> your bench press was 413.3. That's correct. Okay. Sounds Ooh. good. All right. And your deadlift, 501.5. Correct. Okay. And Brian Kalaga said that that wasn't bad for the seniors division. For the specific category that you were. Right. That's that's true. But Brian will always be older than me. As much as he tries, he will always be older than me. Wait, was was there a category? I thought he was just messing with you. Was it? Oh yeah, I, I was just saying that was a fun coming here, or, or probably so Niedermeyer heard what you were saying oh, about him. So I just want Niedermeyer so to bust him through the wall <laughs> with his <laughs> wrestling, with his wrestling outfit. <laughs> so that's really, I mean, know know that we're talking about your weightlifting career because of us missing out on hammering Jeff, or Jeff handling or uh, hammering Chuck on his wrestling career. Yeah, so okay. this is all just penance that you're you're sure, paying for fine. him. So so I. Uh, yeah, so I competed twice actually that day. I competed oh, on Friday night in the push pull, and then I competed in a full meet on Saturday, uh, which I can tell you I will never do that again. Okay, um, <laughs> I don't think anybody should do that. No, I, I found <laughs> even the people at the place were like, "What are you doing here?" And I'm like, I'm "Again?" Competing. Yeah, so it was stupid. Um, but those are my numbers. I, I, I it was, it's in the fifty to fifty four category on okay. on Saturday is when I competed. The bench was 413. Um, that was on the open. Yeah. So I took the open on that one. Okay. So, um, well, yeah. Strong oh, work, man. I, I, yeah. I, like, I can appreciate your accomplishments in this because those are big numbers. So, yeah, yeah. congratulations. Thanks. Vince can appreciate your accomplishments for the 50 and older <laughs> crowd. That's what he can appreciate it for. <laughs> well, I did, you know, and it it, 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 I think it took the the numbers. I think I blew the guy out that had it last year by like over hundred something kilos. Come on, yeah. So get the fuck out of here. No. And for our listeners in America, that's yeah. two hundred and twenty pounds. <laughs> so. Thank God he said a hundred, huh, Vince? <laughs> right. That would have been <laughs> fucked if he didn't say a hundred. <laughs> so, but um, but I, I, so, I, and I started this, and I got to give a shout out to Griff, Alex Griff. He uh, he got me kind of motivated to do this, and a guy on our job. Uh, Dueling Galloway, because I went out to L.A. in uh, 17 uh, and did the uh, police and fire games. So I did the Worlds and uh, ended up taking silver because oh of those guys. God. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. If you get to the police and fire games, it's it's the most awesome thing. Huh. 15, 16,000 competitors from all over the world. Yeah, yeah I've seen, I've seen diff- videos of it. Yeah, like different competitors from corn playing cornhole to <laughs> karate to boxing to powerlifting huh. to bodybuilding. I mean, they got all the events, and it's uh, – just a bunch of like-minded people hanging out for a week, and it's a lot of fun. I was gonna say, I was. It's a blast, especially like my. I mean, they they got to be motivated as yeah. shit. Like, oh, just it's ready great. Rock and roll. Oh, it's fun. Oh god, they have big venues at the night. You know, big parties and yeah, oh, boy. It's first class all the way. It's a great time. Well, um, to wrap it up, I mean, Corey, oh, well. you got. Uh, oh yeah. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. You know what? I, I really, it, it's running low. I mean, it, it was actually pretty thin. Um, Unlike that mustache, it was very thin. What I was getting uh, from guys, because again, you're a fucking great guy, Jay, and so yeah. like everybody's been very like. There wasn't too much, except for Brian, who um, you know you spoke kindly of him, but 
he did not speak the way of you. That's but he, um, I mean, again, it was it was just hammered mostly for the uh, <laughs> hammer mostly for the fake mustache and the um, and the EMS chief stuff. Yeah. Um, but well, the, hey, let's address that real quick. Yeah, let's hear. Because <laughs> you guys left because it break, clearly doesn't the, bother you. It doesn't yeah. bother me. No. It doesn't bother <laughs> me. So in the city of Aurora, we have three chiefs a day. Yeah. Okay. So you have battalion one, battalion two. Uh-huh. They're on the east and west side of the river, and then you have EMS one. Okay. Okay. EMS one is a citywide chief. Um, that's where I'm at. Yeah. But EMS one also covers. Any code, shooting, stabbing. So they do the EMS part of it too to handle the seven medics. Yeah. But it is a citywide chief that gets to go to all the fires, all the extrications, and they're on every ticket. Oh. So Brian's jealous. He yeah. won't tell you that, but I get to go to everything. And it, you, if, like, anywhere you design, in your you design, entire city. Anywhere. You're just like, I, you know what? Put me on it. Like Batman. Yes, that's yeah. right. Like Batman. Because Batman <laughs> is the only true superhero. You right. know that, right? Because he's rich and. Yeah, he has no powers. Oh, yeah. He's the only superpower that has no powers. Right. Now, you can throw Iron Man in there, but he's got a suit. Yeah. So it's got kind of like powers. He has yeah, that thing yeah, in Superman. How, how hard is it for Superman? The guy fucking, somebody brings out a green rock and they're like, yeah. oh, oh, I'm scared. That's right. my thing. Batman's going to <laughs> How'd you know again? Uh, so, um, all right. So you're out there fucking. Oh, it's. It. Brian's just being a dick. So, <laughs> um, so, so my thing, if if you have heard it, if you were blowing smoke, Jay, my thing is, is the ball busting stuff. So, like, what. Been around for a while, 25 years. What kind of pranks can you talk oh. about on the air that you either instrumented yourself possibly or were a part of? Or that you, well, lucky you exhausted the statutes of limitations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lucky, lucky for you, Corey. I listened to other podcasts oh. that I knew, so I thought of some things on the over the last few days. All right. Um, so one, one, not saying that any part of this, but uh, Station 3 back in the day got all new um, – got all new dishes and pizza pans and through the 2% fund. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the one chief at the time's like, he's like, yeah, downtown guys aren't too proud. They'll take all that. So all of a sudden all your old shit showed up at our station. And one guy's, <laughs> one guy calls up and goes, ah, you took our garbage. It's just like downtown, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so me and another guy, and uh, I won't say his name cause he's still employed there. We went over to uh, the station three and we uh, kind of maybe, acquired their brand new double wide toaster the bagel toasters like the very first time these all chromed out big wide slots and they're proud of this i was toaster. gonna say this is this is like a 300 dollars toaster yeah at i don't the know time, how much probably. it was yeah, but no. it, it was they were proud of this like their new chrome toaster <laughs> well that chrome toaster decided to take a, a trip and it traveled all over the country and everywhere it went they sent a picture Back to the station, so it's it's Come been on. it's been scuba diving in Hawaii. <laughs> it's, it's been it's been the National Fire Academy. It's been to Florida. It's been in New York. It's been down to Metropolis under the big Superman. <laughs> so every time it went somewhere, it would show up. And we had a big poster, like a big poster size uh, glass pinboard corkboard, and we would put the like post- everywhere. It's up in, <laughs> and it's a stack of pictures. It's got to be three inches of pictures when they Come took on. it. Down. Yeah, it's been everywhere, and then. Um, you know, obviously that was all around. I love, I love the idea of like some poor, some young guy who's like, who's like talking to his wife and, and they're like, uh, he's like, oh yeah, like we got to get an extra bag for Mexico. Toast. And they're like, they're like <laughs> what do we need? It's just toaster. Like, I'll, get I'll tell you later. But like, I haven't explained this thing to his wife. Well, so. Don't forget, somebody had to go through the metal detector oh, and yeah. like it with the toaster. There were right? TSA agents asking, <laughs> like, oh, it's a gift. And, <laughs> and one of the best pictures that we got is, is, uh, they took the a truck. I'm not sure which truck it was, but the out the pads are down and the tires up. 
and the toasters underneath the tires, uh-huh. and guys have their hoods on, cross their noses, you know, uh-huh. with a knife to the power cord. <laughs> uh, so, so that that lasted a long. Uh, that was a, one of the good ones. It's a, yeah, no, it's a good one. Um, <laughs> well, uh, do you have that information on the GoFundMe? I do. Why don't um, we give Why don't we give that out? Yeah, so um, so I did look into this. Uh, just just so everyone can please take a look. Um, if you go to GoFundMe and um, and type in supporting Chief Hugh Stott, S T O T T, um, they are running a um, a, a donation page for him. Um, unfortunately, it looks like uh, Chief Stott was diagnosed with ALS early in the year, and um, they've we're trying to give some help. Yeah, we're trying to help out and any. Thing that you know any listener can do, we appreciate it. So uh, yeah. if you can help out, um, you know yeah, one of your brothers. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's not doing well, and uh, and you know any for for as much as we're always looking for support, if we could push any of that over to this guy, like any anything anything can help. You know, if it's a if it's a couple bucks, if it's if it's any amount of money, it's something that'll help. Would would seems to be just just a class act guy. Um, so, so definitely take a look at that, please. Um, again, it's, it's on the GoFundMe page. And if you search for chief S T O T T, um, and with that, Vincent, yeah. Uh, chief Demas, anything you, you want to finish with closing remarks? No. Um, I, uh, just want to thank you for having me. I didn't, yeah. uh, and the shitty didn't... donuts. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate the monster. Um, yeah. But uh, thank you for having me. I didn't know what to expect. Um, but uh, this has been fun. Hopefully it comes out to uh, sound like it did when we, we did it. So oh, Yeah. Well, yeah. well, thank you very much. And, um, you know, we'll uh, hope to have you back sometime soon. We'll Anytime. have you and Kalaga in here together and uh, – We'll have uh, watch the strength. <laughs> just watch the comedy duo yeah. of yeah, you two yeah. guys hammering each other. Oh, uh, just... we have a good time in class together. <laughs> we teach together a lot, and uh, he's a he's a class act. And I'd love to do one of these with him. Yeah, oh, definitely, right. yeah, uh, done deal. This will be fun. <laughs> Corey, anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, no, this um, is this has been two and a half hours. Yeah, oh, did you realize it? No, I didn't. It's weird. Yeah, it's uh, the, the time warp. Yeah, you lose yourself in here. I um no, please please make sure to visit the website again. Um, visit the website. Any support you guys can can uh, give us, we appreciate. Um, t-shirts, the website. Subscribe and like the um the pages. Facebook, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Chicago's bravest. Yeah, um the uh. Please, if you guys do, or if you guys are listening to the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review, even if it's about um, some of our some of our guests' poor choices in facial hair. That's fine too. <laughs> you can add that on there. Um, and again, please, please, please take a look at uh, at Chief Stott's um, GoFundMe page. She, family and and us, we would all very much appreciate it. All right. Until next time, Chicago's bravest stories. The opinions and views are that of Chicago's Bravest Stories podcast and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.